Howdy, y'all. We are the Dark Ozarks. I'm Lisa. And I'm Alex. And we're here to explore the dark history, mysteries, and legends of the Ozarks. We talk about everything from cryptids to UFOs to true crime. If you can think of it and it makes your skin crawl, we probably talk about it. Catch us on Branson Podcast Network and find us online at our socials at Dark Ozarks. Welcome to the Dark Ozarks, the spook light, one of our favorite topics and mysteries. The most asked about and most commented on subject in the Dark Ozarks. Is it real or not? Yes, but we will get back to that in a minute. Mark your calendars for upcoming live events. Next, coming up March 1st at the Fox Theater in Springfield, join Lisa and Alex for an evening of history, legends, and the paranormal. Detailed on the Dark Ozarks Facebook page, visit ParanormalScienceLab.com for tickets and more information. We encourage you to check out Always Buying Boats in Joplin, Missouri, in person and online, on Facebook, and at the website AlwaysBuyingBoats.com. For all of your reading needs, including a large section on the paranormal, history, and more. Not to mention, the building is haunted. Tell Bob and Elise we sent you. We also want to thank Beard Engine Brewing Company in Alba, Missouri. Beard Engine Brewing is the only English-style brewery in Missouri and has been twice named Missouri's best brewery by the Missouri Brewers Association. Great beer and great food in a historical building with a noir past. And yes, their building is also haunted. Tell Nate and Tiff that we sent you. So, the spook light. Spook light. You know, we get asked about the spook light probably more than anything else. And we get comments, more comments about the spook light when we do talk about it than about any other topic. And I think that's partially because of the the notoriety of it. If there's one thing that this area is famous for, it's going to be the Hornet spook light. Well, it certainly is the biggest mystery out there. Absolutely. You, I mean, you can always conjecture about is a place haunted or this or that, but this is something that at this point, tens of thousands of people have seen and observed and had varied experiences. So it's not even that everyone sees exactly the same thing or that the same thing happens all the time. You don't get that in a mystery very often. No, not usually. I think the unique thing about it is the fact that it is probably the only paranormal occurrence, at least that I can think of off the top of my head, where you have organizations such as the Army Corps of Engineers coming in, um, legitimate efforts by universities and uh, different organizations to come in and try and figure out what it is or debunk it. And all of it has been pretty much inconclusive on it. Right. I mean, they will default to usually swamp gas. Um, and, And we are talking... And these are these are conclusions that were thrown out there starting in the 1940s that they didn't have another explanation. So maybe it was swamp gas, but I, I I don't know about you, but I don't know of many swamps in around here. So no, there there really isn't too too much marsh, marshy uh, land around that area, and that doesn't really add up. And then, of course, the other go-to explanation is headlights from I-44 or previously Route 66. That doesn't line up either, no pun intended. <laughs> very very literally. Um, I, I suppose at certain points along Spooklight Road, you could, in theory, under more perfect weather and atmospheric conditions than it would take for this to be swamp gas, uh, be tricked by headlights off the interstate 
but out of the entire stretch of Spook Light Road, um, I, I maybe one percent of that road you could actually see the headlights from the highway. I I think that, that is just a uh, a, a go to explanation to have some answer. I think right. And and there and there is they have shown that that one spot right before the first crossroad on Fifty Road, if you're facing west with a certain temperature inversion, that you will see headlights, but you're going to see rows of two lights because they're headlights. And that's not what people observe. It's not what I've observed out there. It's definitely not what I've observed either. And sure, you know, some of the sightings might be chalked up to that. But uh, I know personally from what I've seen, from what you've told me, uh, from, I mean, countless different people that have you know sat out there all night trying to find this thing that's that's not what people see um and that wouldn't explain you know there's there's so many stories of seeing the 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 light trekking through a field uh going through through treetops uh people seeing it in their barns things like that and there's no there's no easy explanation for those things uh and that's also kind of lends to the fact that organizations such as the Army Corps of Engineers were not able to determine what this thing was. Exactly. And and I think one thing, too, is people get very fixated on, on Spook Light Road. First of all, there there is no road that is officially named Spook Light Road, but it's 50 Road off of State Line uh, Road into Ottawa County, Oklahoma. And some people disagree with you on that. Some people say it's 60. Well, well, that's true. I guess let let let's we'll roll back and sort of the history and and the reason that it's called the Hornet Spook Light is originally starting in the 1800s. It was observed further east on the Missouri side around Hornet, Missouri, two or three miles the other direction from what most people think of Spook Light Road, and it was observed in that area mainly for decades, and then it kind of migrated west and was seen along 40 Road, actually a mile north of Spooklight Road. And that's actually where the experiments by the Corps of Engineers and the University of Missouri, etc., were conducted. And then by the time you get to the 1950s, it was observed more on 50 Road, and that's what everyone refers to as Spooklight Road. And now it's still seen sometimes on the Missouri side, sometimes up on 40, sometimes now on 60 Road. And I I think it just goes to show it's a phenomena that occurs over several square miles, and it's not a trick of light or standing in a certain place that kind of thing. It, it can be observed in a lot of different places. Right, absolutely. A lot of people seem to have the idea that, and this this tends to lend itself more towards just the paranormal in general, that you know, we can talk about hauntings. Hauntings are tied to a, a, a physical location, uh, you know, a, a house, or it, in some circumstances it's tied to an individual. And I think that that, that line of thinking kind of, sticks with us when we start examining some of the more I don't want to say naturally occurring phenomena because I I don't know of too many other spook lights that are roaming the world. <laughs> there are a couple examples uh in the United States of you know some quote unquote spirit lights or ghost lights as they've been referred to. But it it's like you said that it's a phenomena that happens in 
a particular area that's not tied to one particular road or, or crossroads or anything of that nature. And what I find fascinating is that once you start really getting into the lore and the, the stories in the area about the spook light, you can almost immediately start ruling out a lot of the explanations that you'll be given Mm-hmm. That would that, that people will say about it being natural phenomena. I mean, it, it, you know, you can't say that it's lights from the interstate when you have Native American stories talking about the spook light. I don't think that any of the local tribes were camping out watching semis on the interstate. No, and 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 it was it was even documented in in uh, narratives from the Trail of Tears in the 1830s. So in writing, so. Uh, you have, it goes back a very long ways. And, and maybe to give people context too, it is in a general area that kind of is susceptible to a lot of different phenomena in, in a fairly small area. It's not very far from the Devil's Promenade, which has its own uh, lore. The Goatman lore of the Quapaws is very close by, as well as Deer Woman. So you have a whole general area that different phenomena happen. But of all of those things, the spook light is the least predictable. Absolutely. And I feel like that persists through all observations of the spook light. Whether it's the stories that pop up, whether it's the first-hand encounters, whether it's the explanations as to what it is, because you and I both know that they're... I've heard everything from Civil War soldier looking for his head to Indian princess to... I mean, if you can think of it, I've probably heard it. Yeah, farmer um, looking for his lost children. and A minor, even a minor story, and there's no mining through there. Not to my knowledge. You know, for several miles. But, quite a few miles. But I think that beyond that, there's so much erratic tellings of the actual behavior of the spook. I'd kind of like to get into that here. Because I, I know I've heard stories that you've told. I've told my stories. We have friends. And for those who don't know, it, it used to be not so much anymore, unfortunately. Uh, it used to be that you're bored on the weekend in high school. What did you do? You went down Spooklight Road. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see it every time? Absolutely not. Did you no. probably see it a couple times over the years? And, and here's the cool thing is you, you, you may have, you might not have. But every once in a while, you do get the, the story of just some very whimsical and just fantastic encounters. And I think it, I, I think it'd be kind of cool to get into not only what we've experienced, but some of the more notable uh, encounters that we've been told. I think that's, I think that's a good idea. I know growing up, there were several stories that, that really stuck with me that I would hear from other people. And particularly, I would hear from, say, parents of friends of mine and so forth. That These were things that had happened years before. One that I've heard multiple times is that the spook light would appear and float through the cabin of the car. Which, if it's a light anomaly, that certainly doesn't make any sense because something you're not going to observe something on the outside of the windshield passing through or passing through the glass, etc. Right. And that is something that, that's not a one-off story. That's something that a number of people have experienced. Sometimes fascinated and sometimes pretty freaked out, actually. Right. I mean, one that I always uh, would hear told to me would be... Because that is a rural route, you know, a story of it passing down the center aisle of a school bus that, that was full of children. That that one, that one always stood out to me. I don't know about you, but I've heard tales of it almost bouncing 
on like the hood of, of you know couples go out there in in the dead of night because they're definitely out there to look at the spook light <laughs> and it would bounce on the hood of the car almost trying to get their attention or or and i hate to ascribe you know motive to it but this is just how it was told to me so many of the stories have some form of interaction Yes. With it as an entity or being. Let's go with entity. I don't so much uh, like using the word being because we don't know enough about it. But okay. in some form of interaction with it that can immediately rule out swamp gas. If if swamp gas is interacting with you like that, then you might be onto something. But <laughs> barring that, I, I, I think that that's what makes it stand out so much as well in local culture is that everyone's story, everyone's encounter with it is unique to them. Yes. But it's also not so much unique that you would hear a story and be like, oh, there's no way that happened. That's impossible. You you hear it and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That, that makes perfect sense. And also, even though they'd be unique, there, there would be enough similarity to other stories you've heard that it makes sense. That, you know, I, I hate to say patterns, but just types of behavior that it would exhibit that... Um, would not be identical, but you you hear hear some accounts and then another account and say, well, that makes sense when you compare them. Right, exactly. I think what's also kind of cool about it is that Spooklight Road in and of itself has kind of grown its own legends and lore around yeah. it. Um, yeah. Because, I mean... Obviously, you have the tales of the spook light, but because of how, you know, people frequently go out there, or at least they used to, uh, they'll unfortunately run you off now if you sit out there too long. But And for those who don't know, the reason is that they paved the road maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, and there are no shoulders to park on now, so that if you stop along the road, it becomes a hazard. It does. You, you, your car is hanging out into the middle of the lane, and people do tend to drive kind of fast on country roads, especially in the dead of night. So it is an issue, and it's very unfortunate, which I've always suggested just go over a road, because mm-hmm. um, not all of them are paved. Exactly, you know, and and you can see it at times on other lo- on other roads. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've seen it on sixty. Um, I've forty. I've mostly seen it on fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I was saying, like the the legends that kind of grew up around it is not only do you have the spook light, but you know you'll hear stories of you know there's like a it's like a satanic cult that's that's practicing dark magic out there. <laughs> Um, there's, you know, skinwalkers out there. There's, uh, encounters of the fourth kind out there. I mean, pretty much whatever boogeyman you can think of, there is a version that has kind of grown up. Bigfoot. I've heard about Bigfoot being yeah. down there. And that's possible. I, I mean. Well, Goatman, Goatman Holler is not very far away and we've had our own experience there. So. Yeah, that was really cool. I'm not going to get into that on this one, but I think what would be kind of cool is why don't you talk about your most memorable experience either of the spook light itself or on spook light road oh that's kind of that's kind of hard actually there's three that come to mind but in this vein i want to talk about one that where didn't see the spook light but something else that happened there a uh, number of years ago I went down there there were five of us and we had gone down actually in one car and had parked this is before it was paved we ended up walking down a good ways and hadn't seen it yet. And two of the people with us decided, well, then go back 
to the car and, and drive it up where we were at. So three of us were standing on the north side of Spooklight Road and waiting. And it's quiet. And then all of a sudden we start hearing coyotes. It sounds like a large pack of them. And they're they're yipping and you can hear them running and it sounds like they're running towards us. You have a barbed wire fence behind you. You don't have anywhere to go. It just sounds like they're coming at you. But you don't really think they're going to come by because there's a barbed wire fence on the other side of the road. All of a sudden, that sound just comes and passes around us. And all three of us look at each other. It was like, did you hear that? Did you hear that? And we all had the same experience, but we didn't see any coyotes. And then years later, and actually at an event we had several years ago at the Coleman Theater, someone brought up that they had the same experience down there without us talking about it and asked a question, have you ever heard of this happening? And they had the same experience. And that's what I, that's what I really find interesting is that you have these kind of experiences that are not in the wider lore, but then you get confirmation someone else has had that experience. That's probably sort of the most interesting of what was going on out there that wasn't the spook light experience. Then seeing the spook light, the one that stands out the most, I was out there once, a group of us, and we were in two vehicles. And we were parked maybe 20 yards apart on the road. Had been out there maybe an hour, hadn't seen anything. And then suddenly the light appeared directly between our vehicles. None of us saw it approach. We were all standing, looking different directions. It was just, boom, it was there. Never could explain how it got there. And it hovered about five feet off the ground for maybe five, six seconds, and then it was gone. One other experience that I found very interesting, a group of us were down there, and we split up, and we were standing, oh probably two or 3,000 yards apart, feet apart rather, and facing each other. And again, it just appeared between us. And those of us in, in the group I was in, we could see the light, could see the other people on down the road, had walkie-talkies. They couldn't see the light. And as they're walking up towards us, we'd say, it's right in front of you. They couldn't see it. And they kept walking and the light disappeared as they walked through that area. So I think it's kind of interesting that you you brought up a story about coyotes because I think one of my most, if not the most memorable experience I've ever had down on Spooklight Road involves allegedly coyotes. So, you know, like I said before, you're bored in high school. It's the weekend. What do you do? You go to Spooklight Road. And uh, a buddy of mine who uh, I'm sure if you're listening, you'll know exactly that I'm talking about you. He at the time had this old like early to mid 60s Ford pickup. You know, big old steel body. The, the thing was cool, but I'm not going to get into that. I could, this thing will go on forever if I start talking about trucks. Anyway, so we head down there, and obviously this was back when gas was a lot cheaper. Um, you know, we, we had our usual spot, you know. It it was kind of in a little bit of a valley where we would park towards the base of the hill. So you had a little bit of a height advantage, and you could look down, I'd say, about a half mile to three quarters of a mile before the the road started to kind of come back up to the crest of another hill. And you had fields on either side. On your right side, you had a uh, a little, just a dirt, like one and a half lane road that if you followed it far enough, it'd actually take you out towards one of the casinos in the area. So we, we got settled, we got parked, and it was kind of a cold night. So we, we, didn't, we didn't get out of the truck. We just kind of, we hung out, we listened to a little music, talked back and forth. And I'd say probably... 
about half an hour to 45 minutes of sitting there, we started to notice that it was starting to get a little foggy. And, you know, fog isn't an uncommon occurrence, you know, weather-wise in the area. No. So at first, we, we really didn't think too much of it. But I'd say over the course of the next five to ten minutes, what started is just like a light, you know, fog that it kind of obscured your, your sight out into the fields on either side quickly turned into, I have maybe three feet of visibility out of the windows and windshield of the truck, which again, a thick fog by itself isn't an uncommon occurrence. But then we started to hear what we thought were coyotes. We heard the yipping, some yowling, and in the same manner in your story, you know, it's almost like they're running right for you. And, you know, if you live around here or if you live anywhere that has coyotes, you know for a fact that the last thing a coyote is going to do is run directly at you. They, you know, they avoid humans if they can. Yeah. Same, same with my story. I kept thinking that it was gonna, the sound was gonna veer off. <laughs> they're gonna see us and they'll be like, oh crap, let's dip out. Well, the yipping gets louder and louder and louder. And we start to see like shadows in the fog. And we, like, genuinely, I thought that they were the coyotes because they were a couple feet tall, moving very fast. And it just seemed like they were darting back and forth from from both sides of the road. And there's a ditch that runs along each side of the road, so... At least back then. Yeah. And so, you know, and we, the truck was on, the headlights were on, and so you'd see just little brief, <laughs> pardon the turn of phrase, brief flashes of shadows going through the headlights. And then it seemed like it kept getting more and more intense until suddenly there was just a massive, loud bang on the top of the truck. Now... I had never in my life seen my friend get that truck going as quick as he did. I don't think those tires stopped spinning for a mile. <laughs> Admittedly, it was a pretty cool burnout, but we were genuinely afraid for our lives. For those familiar with the area, you know, there's a truck stop up by the interstate that is kind of like a almost obligatory pit stop going to and from Spooklight Road. And we didn't stop until we got there, going allegedly faster than we probably should have been. But when we get there, we get out, you know, and you you know, you know, still have blood pumping, adrenaline is flowing. And uh, we look on top of the truck, and it's like this big, I'd say two foot wide, just dent, concave dent that is smooth as glass almost. Like someone polished it. And of course... But like something heavy had hit it. Well, I mean, you know, again, this is a big old steel body truck, you know. Most modern cars that would hit it would take the, the, the losing end of the damage on that. And it also, it kind of had the rat rod look, you know. So, it, you know, it didn't have the finished paint on it. Almost like that rattle can kind of primer look to it. And so it was real rough and, and kind of patchy. But where this dent was, was just perfectly smooth like someone took a spray gun sprayed it in and polished her nice and shiny hmm. you know we we never ever figured out what happened was it the spook light that did that i have no idea i couldn't see anything <laughs> were those coyotes running around i really genuinely hope so because if they aren't or weren't i just don't want to know i'll live in blissful ignorance on that but either that or the tritster spirit was out there and that's that's something that is also that's a very common thing to uh, hear about. Just little tricks. I remember uh, there was one time that we found a pocket knife, right? Just almost like a cheap little Walmart fold out pocket knife. One of the people that was with us was, you know, oh, cool, you know, 
grabs it, puts it in the pocket. You know, obviously someone left it, you know, didn't care about it. And you know how when you're with a bunch of friends, you're all kind of, you're a little tense, you're a little scared, and then you feed off each other's like mm-hmm. fear, and it only makes it worse for everybody. Yep. We got up to uh, one of the crossroads on the way out from the spook light, and they, they swore that this knife was going to be cursed or something that, you know, there's some sort of like evil spirit attached to this thing. <laughs> and so they get out and they chuck it into the woods. Don't let her. Um, and we, we went about our, our way. And now I, I've never quite figured out if this was just our, our, our buddy trying to pull the wool over our eyes on this one. But when we get back to the, the guy's house that we were going to, there was what looked like almost the exact same pocket knife on the front porch of the house. Now, of course, there's, in my eyes, no way that this could have been set up like this. And if it was, I admire their dedication and determination <laughs> in such a, 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 a small prank. But it, it's little stuff like that that mm-hmm. it, it kind of exudes in and bleeds into so many different areas of culture here. Everyone has a spook light story. Mm-hmm. Everyone's been there almost. Well, if you're old, past a certain point, I would like to think that kids are going down there still. You know, and that's one one thing that, you know, a lot of times at events, you know, something will happen and, and it gets mentioned and... We know that, you know, and we'll say who's seen it, who's, you know, been down there and fewer and fewer hands go up anymore. Yeah. And that is sad. And and I have heard young people say, oh, that's just an urban legend. Well, it didn't get the legendary status by being nothing. I'll tell you that much. Right. Um, and, you know, part of the cool thing about doing what we do is going out and trying to find the urban legend, you know. Just because it's called an urban legend doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Exactly. I mean, that that's true. Or that there a grain of truth that led to something that kind of spiraled into an urban legend. That's one thing I really do, do love. And we get to keep these stories alive. I think that's the most important thing about it. Beyond us having fun, beyond us learning stuff that, you know, maybe no one's talked about or almost a hundred years, you know, at least to me, and I'm sure it is for you, it's so important that, you know, these stories continue to get told. These locations continue to be notable and visited because at the end of the day, what makes this place so cool, so dark sometimes are those stories, those locations and, and those legends that have been built up over the past several hundred years, going yeah. back before... Uh, before European settlers. Exactly. That's what makes this place so unique and so cool. And so that's why I do it. That's I love it. It's it's cool. Plus, you find some cool stuff out and get to go see some cool stuff. So Exactly, exactly. And for a lot of people, it is our local culture, our heritage. And passing it on, I think, is important. It, give, it gives... Uh, and this is true of any location, any part of the country, but it gives context to where you're from right. and where you live. And that makes it something a little different than if you were a thousand miles away. But yet, at the same time, some continuity because there are dark stories everywhere, which are, which is really neat too. Absolutely. And so on the topic of something a little different and some continuity, I would like to thank everyone for having a little patience with us after the new year. We took a little bit of an extended break to kind of get things uh, organized and and settled and ready to go. I do genuinely hope you guys enjoy the new format that we're going to try out. We will likely still do some, we you know, some live streams, uh, maybe not weekly, 
I, I think our efforts going to be focused more on really putting out a good podcast for you guys. In the coming weeks, expect video as well as the audio format. Make sure you follow us on YouTube. Make sure you follow us on Spotify. That way you get notifications when we do put something out. Mm-hmm. Um, keep in contact with us on Facebook. Uh, that's probably the best way to contact us. You know, if you've got a lead, if you want us to talk about something, do not hesitate to reach out, shoot us a message. You know, we look through all of them. Sometimes it takes us a little bit, but we do. Um, and having said that, I think I'd just like to thank everyone. And remember, there are no easy answers in the Dark Ozarks. Thank you all.